Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to talk about the Star Wars legacy, the the whole franchise that Disney bought. When they made the purchase from Lucasfilm, I had high expectations. I really hoped that Disney would control it and make it really something great. And uh, I think so far they've kind of missed the mark, and I wanted to tell you about that a little bit and give you some thoughts and perspective on where I come from. Okay, so let me back up for a second. When the original uh, movie came out, Star Wars and now called A New Hope, came out in 1977, I was about 11 years old. And I found that movie to be fascinating. It was a, it was a whirlwind journey. It was, it was so sweeping in its storyline, and it, so, it told such a great story. George Lucas really put together something amazing. And it was interesting the way he had the characters developed in there. It was a number of British characters to add a sort of uh, gravitas or a little depth to the, some of the characters. And some of the more seasoned people were these British characters. And the young upstarts, the Lukes, the Leias, the Hans, they were the Americans. And they were the ones who didn't have the British accents. And they had sort of a different perspective on the world. And it made it kind of an interesting story. If you kind of look at it from, through that lens, it was kind of fun uh, to think about it that way. So I saw that movie a number of times that summer. It was kind of great. It was a lot of fun to see it. And, you know, I remember at some point, maybe later in the fall or so, my mom and an aunt of mine, her sister, were having a conversation about minorities in the film. Now, I happen to be Hispanic. Um, I consider myself Hispanic, even though I may not look it. Um, I consider myself that way based on my heritage. And it's an interesting thing because they were talking about how there were no minorities in the film. There were really no people of color. There was certainly no Latinos. There was no uh, Asian people, really. There was the one woman in Princess Leia who was a strong character, but otherwise there wasn't anybody else. And they were just kind of talking about that and how that kind of played out. And I never really gave it much thought beyond that. At the time, as an 11-year-old and heading into my teens, never really gave it much thought. You know, since then, it's come up a little bit more for me. Uh, I've thought about it a little more and, you know, it's kind of come into come to fruition and I'll get back to that in just a minute. Anyway, so I was a fan from, I was hooked and I was a fan from early on. Uh, you know, The Empire Strikes Back comes out. What a great film. Phenomenal. Uh, then The Return of the Jedi was probably the weakest of the three, but was still pretty good. It kind of closed the storyline out. Thought they did a nice job. Then George Lucas, many years later, decided to go back and make episodes one, two, and three to kind of help tell the story of how Darth Vader came to be. Now, I have to say that I thought he did kind of a mediocre job on this. It wasn't the greatest storyline that he made. If you kind of look at it abstractly and kind of take away some of the dialogue and a little bit of the stiff acting and forget about the fact that he was putting together a lot of graphical interpretation and, you know, doing a lot of visual effects and telling a story that kind of twisted a little bit and maybe wasn't as well-defined as maybe he could have made it, it still was pretty good. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good. I liked the concepts of what he was doing. And even going back and watching it now, if you kind of take it with a little bit of a slant on the view... Think about the fact that maybe Jar Jar was a Sith. Maybe think about the fact that 
there was more happening than you know. Maybe there was a little interplay between Obi-Wan and Padme that was going on that made the whole thing, it made the story much more complex and gave it a richness. So if you kind of look at it through that lens and you kind of take some other variables into it, it makes it a little more interesting and compelling and it's watchable. So kind of kind of fun. Um, they George Lucas didn't really do much else with it. He did the Clone Wars uh, TV show and then the reboot of it a few years later. And, you know, they were good. They told the story and he had a little more leeway because it was animated where he could do it a little bit better. And he always said, he had said a long time ago that he wanted to produce three more that were kind of closing out the story and taking it further. But he never did. And then when he sold it to Disney, he actually gave them his notes on some of the things he thought could happen. And as we understand it as fans... Disney kind of took those and said, yeah, that's nice. We're not going to do much with it. Uh, we're going to build our own story. And that's all fine and good. Disney had an idea for something they wanted to do. And for Disney, I think it's more about, you know, the promotion and the, you know, the making something and you know, selling it and making, you know, making something that's got a richness to it, uh, but that they can actually sell and make money on in some way. If they sold some of the toys and did some other things, they could really make this uh, a very valuable franchise. So they buy up Lucasfilm, all of the Star Wars merchandise, all of the Star Wars whatever, they have it all. And they tell us, hey, we're going to make episode 7, 8, and 9 and a couple of other, a couple of other anthological type things that fill in blanks on storylines, and we'll have some fun with it. Um, and then we're going to create some immersive worlds around our Disney parks, and we're going to do this, this, and this. And so they come up with um, episode 7. In episode 7, you know, I thought it was okay. You know, it wasn't the greatest story. Uh, my son, my older son, who became a Star Wars fanatic based on me being involved with it, hated it. He walked out of the theater going, I don't, I think it's, you know, I think the whole, the whole image of it is destroyed. I don't really like it. I don't like where it's going. I don't like the storyline and so on. And I see his point. I saw his point at the time and I see his point much clearer now, but it's interesting how that, how that kind of goes. And then, um, he didn't see episode eight, but I saw it with my other son. And uh, episode eight was, it again, it was okay. It was, you know, there was nothing about it that I thought, wow, this is a great and compelling storyline. And there was nothing that said to me, you know, I really love this and I want to, I want to, you know, I really want to get into the richness of it. And so it was kind of a weird thing. And then episode nine comes out and it was just like, huh, they undercut everything that happened in episodes four, five, and six, they basically eliminated all purpose and meaning. All the significance of anything that happened in episodes four, five, and six are just lost. They undercut them completely. And it just, it bothered me a lot uh, that they just decided to destroy everything that happened. So there was no, there was no purpose to episode six. Killing Palpatine, Darth Vader turning and killing Palpatine, um, Darth Vader turning back to the light side and, you know, talking to Luke before he dies. Those things no longer have any meaning. There's no purpose to them. And then if you look through the history of it, you have all these characters. You had a lot of Jedi. You had, um, you know, the, the Jedi masters that went and confronted Palpatine. You had Mace Windu who fought him. You had Anakin who, uh, who fought him and supposedly killed him but didn't. And then Rey, who's an untrained Jedi, suddenly goes and just kills him, and that's her grandfather. And you go, huh? How does that make sense? And they created a lot of story holes and plot holes and things that didn't make sense in that in that general sense of the storyline where you kind of go how do these characters make sense why do i have any feeling for them they develop they didn't develop them in a way where there's actually any feeling for them i didn't feel anything for any of the characters that they created the rays the fins the pose no feeling for them and when um 
when uh, C-3PO looks at them and goes, I wanted to take a look at my friends for one last time. I'm like, they're not your friends. You didn't even, you barely even knew them. You didn't interact with them. How are they your friends? You know, it's kind of one of those things where you kind of go, yeah, you're drawing on something and you're trying to harken back and tell us something that happened. And you kind of go, I don't really like that so much. It just didn't work. Now, some people will tell you that, you know, it's, it's this uh, social correctness, this political correctness that killed the uh, Star Wars franchise. And I have to say, I disagree with that. I think it's this lack of vision. If I go back, like I was saying earlier in this podcast, I was talking about the, uh, the nature of episode four, um, The New Hope, where there was no minorities and there was nothing in there. You know, yeah, you, didn't, you were missing some, some of that piece of it. And yes, now you've got some stronger characters. You have the female lead in Ray and so forth. And you've got some other characters there. But I don't think that's what killed the uh, franchise. I think it's more about them not really thinking through how to create a storyline that was compelling and really interesting. For those of us who are longtime Disney fans, you kind of go, wow, you just slapped us in the face. I'm sorry, longtime Star Wars fans. You slapped us in the face and said, you know, I, I, we don't care what you thought about the old franchise. We're going to give you something new. And here's where they could have done something much more effective. They could have created a three-part story that was related to the original six, but was not directly related. Or they could have gone ahead and created a three-part arc that would have made a lot more sense in context. My thought on it was, you could have a Rey character who's this orphan who's living on a planet, whatever, that kind of a thing, and she's growing in power, and she decides that it's time for her to leave this, this home world because she's, she's drawn to it in some way. Maybe, a, maybe she gets a force vision, maybe something else happens, you know, maybe, it's, maybe there's some, something that draws her out. And she actually, um, maybe you could, if you really wanted to have Han Solo come up, you could have her meet Han Solo. And uh, maybe Han Solo could take her out of the, uh, the place that she is. And Chewbacca could be there, much like Luke left uh, Tatooine. You could have drawn a parallel there. And he could, have, he could have happened to have been there. And she could have used him to get out. Maybe you set up the story in a clever way where she was going to leave with somebody else. And something happens and she can't. And he's the backup, right? And you could have introduced it in a way, and it would have made sense, and it would have would have drawn it in, and that would have been cool. Princess Leia? Okay, so the Empire has, has been killed off, right? At the end of Episode 6, the Empire is in disarray. And, uh, you know, you've, you're trying... There's a new group that's coming up, the First Order. And they don't need a super weapon. What they need is political power. You know, they're going, they're going and they're taking over planets. They're filling in where the empire was. They're the remnants of the empire and they're going in and they're taking over these planets and they're strong arming them and um, basically making them bend to their will. So they're taking over planets. Meanwhile, you've got the Senate, which has been neutered for, to a large degree. Maybe <clears throat> Princess Leia is back in the Senate <clears throat> and she's involved with trying to help them to, uh, to get stronger and take back some of these colonies. And maybe they've got their own force that's fighting with them. Maybe there's some holdover clones or some other, some other groups that are still fighting for them. But they don't need to have the rebels anymore. Why would the rebels be there if the Empire has been defeated? Maybe they rejoin the, the Senate side. Maybe some of them join the other side. And there's some interplay you could do there. But you could make that a compelling story. And then in the meantime, this is where it could get interesting. Rey is drawn to a group that turns out to be Jedi. And they're the remnants of the Jedi. Luke could be in the group. There could be some other Jedi from the Jedi Order that had gone into hiding that weren't killed with Order 66 in Episode 3. And uh, they were there in hiding, or maybe some others that had grown into being powerful Jedi on their own. Because clearly there had to be other Jedi out there in the universe, even if all the younglings were killed and the ones that were specifically trained were killed. And you could have built a story around that, and they could have been the third group. But the, com the compelling part could have been, and the hook here could have been that Luke and the other Jedi figure out that the Jedi weren't what they seemed to be. 
that they weren't the guardians of peace. Maybe they were at some point, but they weren't. There was a lot of bad apples, like the Count Dukus and the Anakins and other other groups. Um, what was his name? Sifideus and um, the other one that was uh, that had gone off and uh, created uh, created the clone army. You know, all those guys could have been uh, nefarious characters that could have been undercutting the Jedi all the time. And maybe the Jedi weren't the all-powerful, all-seeing group that you thought they were because they'd clouded and muddied the waters. And some of them may have gone off and done some things that were really wrong, you know, and, and been bad guys, basically. Some of them could have been heroes, but not all of them had to be. Maybe it even turns out that Qui-Gon wasn't the hero we thought he was because they were setting us up for that in episodes one, two, and three. They could have used that to, your, to our, their advantage to create a storyline. So now you've got a group of Jedi who are trying to reorder themselves as being powerful. And the Senate is aware that they weren't what they thought they were. So then you, now you have this sort of infighting back and forth. But now you're building up this first order that's taking over planets. You have the Senate fighting against them, trying to regain control. And you have the Jedi who were in the middle and wind up joining the Senate and they, you know, they bring them back in somehow. And then they, they go off and they help fight the, uh, the bad guys. And the bad guys are building ships and doing other things. You could have this, you know, you could talk about the financing of the ships and do all those things that you did, but you do it that way. And then Rey becomes a powerful Jedi in the Jedi group. So she becomes a compelling character that you like in some way. You, if you want to have a Finn character, that's fine. Finn could be one of these guys who, who turn from um, the First Order or turn, you know, was, was a stormtrooper, became a First Order trooper, and then left. Um, or you could develop this, the storyline around these, these First Order troopers and how they were indoctrinated into it from these, um, from these camps, right? You know, you took over planets and you just basically took children and made them troopers. You know, maybe some of them dropped out and became, you know, uh, freedom fighters in some way. You know, mercenaries. And they go to work for, you know, they go to work on their own, but then they get wrapped up into, you know, the Senate business of trying to help uh, take over the galaxy again. So you could have made them interesting. And then, you know, Poe could have been one of the, the big fighters for the, um, uh, on the on the side of good, you know, whatever they, whatever they might have been, whatever group you come up with to, to call them that, they could have been fighting for that. And you go through the storyline. You don't need to uh, bring Palpatine back. You don't need to do anything else. There could be another strong um, Sith person who came up and was leading the um the the uh first order the bad guys and you know could have been leading them and he could have had somebody else with him that would have been okay you know and you could have done something you could have had an epic battle you could have had a couple of epic battles of clashes along the way and then restore peace to the galaxy because you eliminate the first order at the end or you could you could really twist the tables and go no we didn't do that at all we just, you know, they, we, we drove them back, but they're going to have the outer rims and we're going to have the inner side or something. You know, you, you do something and, you know, you, the, the battle will go on forever. You could have done something that would have been much more compelling. I would have been more engaging. You could have still introduced some of the characters you introduced, but Leia could have been off on her own. Luke could have been doing his thing. He could have still been a strong Jedi and been training young people and whatever. I don't even, the Kylo Ren character, maybe he could have been, he could have been the, the dark side apprentice you know, maybe if you want to make him Han's son, fine, you could do that. But make him the dark side apprentice and don't make him conflicted. Just make him what he is. And that's it. You know, and that's that's the end of it. Um, you know, I think you've got to have some evil characters like that. And you don't, you know, don't twist it around. So that if I were going to write a story, that's the way I would have written it. It would have worked, I think. It would have brought back a lot of the energy of the original franchise and would have done some other things. So it's interesting how they, you know, they kind of thought about that. Now, it doesn't mean that everything Disney touches with Star Wars is bad. Now, Han, the Han Solo movie, I'm going to switch gears here for a second. The Han Solo movie, that was bad. Um, I didn't like what they did with the Han Solo character. The fact that he had to go off and, you know, join some other rogue group to become this, this nefarious character. 
I liked the way he was introduced to Lando. I liked the Lando character. I, you know, I kind of liked some of the things that were happening there. But I thought it was too contrived, and they had to bring Darth Maul at the end for no reason. Was kind of pointless. You know, some of the affairs and other things he was doing didn't really make sense. And I didn't like the character they had playing Han Solo. He didn't. He wasn't a believable Han Solo. He was not the Harrison, young Harrison Ford type character. You needed to find somebody who was the young Harrison Ford. Someone who could play that part and really play it along and make it kind of interesting and compelling. That's what you needed. And they didn't do that. And so they kind of missed the mark on the whole uh, Han Solo epic there. They could have done so much more with it. But I'm willing, I would will, be willing to accept that if it hadn't been for the other films that sort of missed the mark as well. Now, as for Rogue One, I thought Rogue One was a pretty good movie. It, you know, it lacked in some places, and there were some things about it that you kind of go, meh. But overall, the fact that they were uh, creating uh, the Death Star, and they ran into problems, and somebody was intentionally building in a flaw in the Death Star so it could be destroyed, that was awesome. Those were some great moments, and those are the kinds of things that you wanted to see. And that's what made that story kind of compelling. The way the fight scenes went at the end, and sort of the edits went... A little, little hokey, but I love the end scene where Darth Vader comes in and kicks ass, basically, and takes back uh, and tries to take back the uh, the plans for the Death Star, but they get passed along, and you know the uh, Corellian ship goes off, and then you start Episode Four. That was pretty good, and he was on Mustafar, and there was a little bit of a story that line there for him. Um, the guy who was playing the uh, the bad guy, um, uh, General, what's his face? I can't think of it all of a sudden; it just escaped me. But anyway, the guy who was playing the bad guy. Um, I thought he was great because he was the guy who was helping to lead the whole storyline and get it going. So it was really inter- there were some interesting parts to it. And I thought it was pretty good overall. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good and it was well thought out. So they did some good. And now Disney Plus is streaming The Mandalorian. And I have to say, The Mandalorian is phenomenal. It's really well written. Um, the acting is good. The storyline is very clever. It's creative. And it takes place in that space between where the uh, where the uh, Return of the Jedi ends and Episode 7 picks up. There's some space in there and they're trying to make something happen. And it's really kind of neat the way they do it. They talk a lot about the, the things that have happened after the Empire left. And this is what I'm getting at. This is what Disney missed in this Episode 7, 8, and 9. They could have talked more about what was happening in this rise of this group, this First Order, and what they were doing. They don't need a super weapon. They just need to be, you know, bad guys. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the point there is they just need to build that, that, that strategy. So I think that one is really well done. And I hope Disney can continue that sort of storyline and build more of that and less of what they were doing with that, with the big budget pictures. I know it's a big budget TV show, but that's okay. You know, in that sense, I think that's pretty good. It's well thought out. Well, you know, I think they've, they've written some good stories there. It's a lot of fun to watch. I look forward to watching it every week. That's, and that's the sign of a good, uh, good show. I can't even remember the, the names of episodes 7, 8, and 9. I get them all confused. It's really weird, because I should know them, I should remember them, but I can't remember them. Uh, one of them's The Last Jedi, one of them's The Rise of Skywalker. What's the other one's name? I can't remember. And is The Rise of Skywalker 7 or 8, or 8 or 9? I can't, I can't remember. And that is so weird that I actually can't remember, because I just don't have any, I don't have any feeling for it. I don't, I, I wasn't hooked into it, and I don't really feel that way about it, so I don't, I just don't see it that way. So it's kind of weird when I think about it that I, that I kind of miss out on that. So that's kind of my take on it. Now, as far as um, building a Star Wars-themed land, there was so much potential there. Disney had a tremendous opportunity to build some themed lands that are different in every park that tell a different part of the Star Wars lore. And as I said in a previous podcast when I talked about visiting uh, Galaxy's Edge, 
one of the things I thought was uh, was really neat back in the day was Disney had this relationship with Lucasfilm where they would have Star Wars weekends. It was a series of six or seven weekends in the spring where Disney would bring in um, characters from different uh, episodes and different parts and would put them in the park and do character introductions and had different parts of the park. And it was all kind of interesting because there was a lot of stuff happening around the parks. And there was First Order Troopers and there were Stormtroopers and there was um, Darth Maul in one place and there was Darth Vader in another. And you had uh, Luke and Leia meetings and, you know, you had other people. And it was really pretty neat. It was well thought out. Um, and I know it had to do with the relationship with uh, Lucasfilm. And they even had Jedi Mickey. And, uh, you know, I think it was Darth Vader, Goofy. Was that it? And then uh, Donald was a... Um, I can't remember what Donald was now, now that I think about it. But anyway, they had the characters, you know, the traditional characters also engaged. But Disney decided after they purchased Lucasfilm, they weren't doing that anymore. Um, they were going to stop having anything to do with episodes one through six anywhere in the parks. And they just eliminated them. So when they created this Galaxy's Edge, there's no homage to anything related to episodes one through six. I, it's well-themed. It's well thought out. It has a Star Wars feel to it, no question about it. But it's missing something. It's missing that moment of, you know, like the, the depth to it. Something that's kind of interesting where you feel like you're actually in a Star Wars universe. And from what I gather from watching people on both coasts, both Disneyland and Disney World, they look almost exactly the same as each other. There's a few things that are slightly different, but they're almost exactly the same. They're cookie cutters. And it's like, why would you, you have two parks. Why not make them interesting? Why not make them different from each other? You have the ability to do that. At least create different lands that they'll be on. And maybe create, you know, you could have one ride that's the same, but maybe you create a different ride for part of it. You know, you do something else. You make it more compelling in a way. And I just can't understand why they missed that opportunity to do that and why they've knocked out episodes one through six. You go in there and it's all about everything that's happened since episode seven, everything that Disney started and owned. And I feel like you're just, you're, you're missing something. You're, you're not giving us enough as true Star Wars fans. I'm a longtime Star Wars fan. I love the Star Wars franchise. I can, anytime I'm going by an episode four is on TV, I'll watch it four or five or six. I'll just sit there and watch it. I'll even watch parts of one, two, and three. And you know, I've gone back and I've watched, uh, I've watched them again on Disney Plus now. I've just gone in and looked at them and I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. And I'll watch them. And it's, it's just kind of, uh, kind of odd that um, there's no, no connection to any of those anywhere in the Disney parks. And it's just, it's weird to me that they've kind of eliminated that to a large degree. And they've created a storyline that doesn't make sense, doesn't really end well, and just eliminates anything that happened. It made irrelevant anything that happened in episodes one through six. One through six, it's like they never existed or they were irrelevant anyway. And all that really matters is seven through nine and Ray. And she was not a compelling character. I had no feeling for her or uh, Finn or Poe's the most interesting of them. You know, and then the whole thing with Carrie Fisher dying during the storyline. Okay, that's unfortunate. And then so you kill her off in episode nine. That's fine. But you killed Han in episode seven. You killed Luke in episode eight. And you killed um, you killed Leia in episode nine. Why? Why'd you have to kill them off? I mean, you could have just let them, you know, live off on, on Tatooine for that matter. You know, it's just kind of weird how they did that. Unless their death had some significance, which it, none of them ever did. They had no significance to their deaths. They just, they just died. You go, oh. Gee, that's sad. And you feel sadness for them and the storyline and whatever, but it just, it was missing something. So that's why I say my take on it is Disney missed an opportunity. They could have done so much more than they did. And I don't mean to rant about it. I'm not trying to say it's all bad because like I said, The Mandalorian, great show, but they just could have done so much more and they still could. They could still recover from this and do so much more. 
make it more compelling. Bring back the characters from episode one through six. I don't, I don't know if this has a, has to do with some relationship, some financial agreement with George Lucas, or just some they're mad at him for some reason. I really don't know. But why wouldn't you produce it? I am glad that they've um, that they've released episodes four, five, uh, four, five, and six in particular uh, on the Disney streaming service. So at least we can go back and watch them. I really wish they'd re- released the original thre- theatrical version of episode four in particular. Uh, to the Disney streaming service or for sale or something because that is a great show. That's one of the greatest movies of all time. The, the Academy of Motion Pictures asked for original an original print of Star Wars Episode Four as it appeared in the theaters and they never got it from George Lucas. Disney could write that wrong too and give it to them and they could give it to us and they could let us see it. Um, as it is, Episode Four has a slight re-edit in it anyway and it's a it's the... Uh, scene between Han and Greedo. You know, they he re, he rethought it a couple of times. He redid it for the different releases he had. And he was trying to be clever and cute with the way he re-released it. And he was going to re-release it again with one additional line that Greedo says right before um, Han shoots him. And he says, McClunky. And it's like, why? Why did he have to do that before he released it to Disney? Before he sold it to Disney? Why did he have to make that change to it? It's kind of weird. But it's it's kind of funny in its own weird sort of a way. Um, but that's what happens sometimes in these movies. So as I said, don't mean this to be a rant about Disney. I just think there was an opportunity missed and they could have done so much more and I hope they do so much more in the future. Well, I hope you've enjoyed my sort of little rant about Star Wars. I I promise next time I'll bring it back to uh, the Walt Disney World Resort and we'll talk about some of the things that are going on there. But in the meantime, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there... Please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 